Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. My name's Kale Guthrie-Weissman. I'm the editor here at Modern Retail, and I'm joined here with Kelly Kowal, the chief platform officer of the luxury fashion retail platform Farfetch. Um, And I'm really excited to talk about sort of just e-commerce and luxury in general, because I find that space extremely fascinating. But hi, Kelly. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, me too. So one thing that I find really interesting about Farfetch is that there are so many different strands to the business that I think that you specifically are involved with. And so I wanted, like, I know Farfetch has the marketplace. I know that there's the white labeling you do with brands. I know that you also have your own private labels. So can you just sort of tease out a little bit of all the different strands of both what you do, but also what what the company does? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it's a great question because you're right. It is quite a complex business and we can partner with brands and retailers in, in many different ways. But really sort of to simplify it, um, there's probably about sort of two ways that brands and retailers can partner with us. Um, one is farfetch.com and that is the marketplace. And that's really um, about being able to utilize inventory that you currently have and be able to reach you know, millions of consumers on the farfetch.com platform um, and, you know, really build your direct-to-consumer business through the farfetch.com marketplace. The other way is Farfetch Platform Solutions. And really what we do there is we take all of our technology and all of our platform and all of the services that runs farfetch.com and we white label it for brands and retailers. So effectively, you could have the same sort of um, technology that powers the marketplace to be able to power your own individual digital experience. Part of that also includes um, what we call augmented retail, which is really our store of the future technology. So that all comes under the FPS umbrella and really thinks about how do we take the digital components and really make sure that we can white label anything so that, you know, you as a brand and a retailer um, can really have an amazing e-commerce proposition, but also have an amazing in-store proposition as well. There is probably a third way that you can partner with us, but that's more of our retail channel uh, is really what we, we call that. And that's, you know, we operate stores for Browns, um, Stadium Goods, um, also um, own NGG. So that that would be more of our, our retail arm. Out of curiosity, what do you view as the biggest growth engine right now? Is it sort of the, the, the marketplace with wholesale or are you seeing, I'm assuming you're seeing a lot more interest from brands specifically white labeling, given that, you know, most stores shut down for a long time? Yeah, it's it, so it's it, it's interesting. It also kind of depends how you um, define growth. So we're seeing really great results from the marketplace because you know with our brands and our boutiques, um, you know a lot of them did have to to shut their their stores. So this was one of the only direct to consumer channels they had. However, when you look at sort of overall growth numbers compared to the marketplace from a you know year on year perspective, we are outpacing the the marketplace. Um, and, you know, we are seeing a lot of interest from brands and retailers now really understanding how important that e-commerce channel really is um, and really understanding how do you then service the customers that once came into your store that maybe not aren't coming into your store anymore? How do you still capture that demand and how do you really give them an amazing shopping experience You know that that you can still sort of have that one to one connection with them while the stores aren't aren't open, that you can still maybe, you know, service um, that connection online. I feel like, you know, pre-March, pre-February, there was always a conversation about how, what, what sort of growth rate would luxury specifically in the United States grow, grow, grow on e-commerce. And now it seems like because 
brands were sort of forced into it, things have changed a lot. So are you how I know that like Farfetch uh acquired like Curiosity China a couple of years ago, and that was sort of about giving brands tools so that they could help enter the the Chinese market more easily. Are you seeing are you seeing more just from the customer side? More people are okay, both you know, in the U.S., in the U.K., elsewhere, buying luxury online than they were before. Sort of, what are the dynamics at play now? Yeah, I think you know we we definitely are.、Um, so I think people have always been comfortable buying luxury online, and、uh, you know, as as sort of the years progress, you know, more and more. I think that you know, with luxury, physical will always play a really important part, just because you know you can't take away some of that touch, some of that look, some of that feel that people want、mm-hmm. when buying luxury. But now that that has actually been taken away, I think it's really looking at how do you then still provide experiences online that make that customer still feel very comfortable in in buying luxury. And you know, one thing that we're seeing is yes, obviously China is a huge important market for us, and so we do have Curiosity China. You know, our platform does work in China. We you know, in FPS we can operate .CNs for for our our、um, for our clients. Um, and that that's a really important part. But I think what's even sort of more important too is being able to、um, really find demand in any sort of you know global area, and we're able to do that based on a lot of the technology we use around a lot of our marketing principles. So, it, you know, it is about you know obviously people are becoming more comfortable buying luxury online, but it's actually really finding that demand as well.、Um, I think you know something that we've also seen is you know obviously travel. Has you know gone way down, and so a lot of you know our brands and, and our retailers do actually、um, you know they they rely on some of the the traveling tourism, and now that that's not there anymore, we have to come up with ways that we can still you know make sure that that customer is able to shop with that particular brand or retailer、um, while you know travel isn't where where it is. Can you give a, a few examples of sort of the pockets? You know, of areas of demand you're seeing from brands, and where you're finding, you know, the, these new experiential components that you might not have, you know, invested in before. Yeah, so I think you know, obviously China was a big one.、Um, you know, obviously it was quite interesting to、yeah. see the trends as you know, you know, COVID hit various areas. You know, you'd massively see a decrease, and then as you know, recovery rates started to come up, you, you'd see that demand again. So we were really able to shift marketing dollars around. To make sure we could capitalize on the demand, but more so when people felt like shopping again.、Um, you know, for us, it's a very sort of sensitive nature as well. You know, you don't want to be really insensitive as people are going through, you know, you know, such a, a horrific experience and ordeal. So it needs to be very sort of relevant and, and timely as well. So we've seen, obviously, you know, China as it's recovering is doing really well.、Um, the Middle East is doing really well.、Um, I would say the U.S. also is is doing really well. So. You know, it, it. I think it really sort of、um, depends market by market.、Um, your question was, you know, what are we, what are we doing to sort of facilitate those experiential?、Um, it, it's not that we weren't doing this before, but now it's sort of maybe accelerated the focus that we've we've put on it. So, within our store of the future technology, we have an in-store app, and and originally the app really was to give a, an amazing experience for you in-store. So you as a customer could book an appointment. You come in,、um, you know. I am able to detect who you are. I know your preferences. I see your wish list. I see what you've been doing online. You know, I can I can curate a very VIP experience for you. What we've then done is now taken some of that technology and changed it, it to adapt to this scenario. 
meaning people aren't maybe as comfortable coming in. So they do want to book an appointment and it's more to minimize the time that they effectively have in the store. Um, when they do come in, we are able to have, you know, a very sort of, um, you know, uh, sort of touch free experience, experience as well, making everyone feel very comfortable. But let's say you don't want to come into the store. We have created the technology within the in-store app to allow you to still have these conversations one to one at home. So me as a, um, you know, as a shop floor assistant, I know that you're interested in certain things. I can build you a wish list. I can push that so that you can see it in the consumer app. You can then browse. You can then have communication with your personal shopper. If you then like it, you can either sort of check out right then and there. If not, we can send you a pay by link. So we're really looking at how do you facilitate these transactions that for someone who doesn't want to leave their, their home, but still wants that one to one sort of personal shopping experience. Huh, interesting. And are you seeing are brands asking for specific new features or new new anything that, you know, either were in the pipeline or, you know, you you hadn't emphasized before? What like as they're realizing they need to be online and offer these kinds of very personalized options, what is their number one priority now? So it's interesting. Nothing has really necessarily changed per se, but the I guess the importance of things have changed. So before um before COVID, we were working on a, um, a feature that online, you could actually see what was um, in individual stores down to the size level. Then you could reserve in store. That was a really nice to have feature. Now, I think it's a very, it, this we have to have that. It is a feature now that, that actually delivers much more importance than what it did pre-COVID. Um, so it's, it's less about, you know, what, what we were working on before and after because the, the roadmap itself hasn't really changed. It's just about the use cases of that technology has changed. And that's that's re really how we focus on things and, and, and how we build things is we build them at the platform level so that you can then have any sort of front end experience using that technology. And I think that's a good example where it was, you know, people wanted that because it was, it was a great to have and it was a great way to drive people, you know, in store. But now people are adamant that they need to know what it is in store before they go in store. Um, so it's just I think it's just, a, I guess, a different perception. You mentioned how you've had to be very, I guess, dynamic is the word in terms of your marketing as things have changed so drastically. Can you talk a little about just sort of the overall customer acquisition landscape? Because it's been sort of up and down. And I know luxury has, is very very steep customer acquisition costs. So what, what have you noticed in terms of how that has changed? Are there new channels that are extremely f or friendlier than before? What, what, wh how is, what are you focusing on and what are you noticing? So I think for us, the, the big, the main sort of um, trend that we're seeing is just how the various markets are actually, um, you know, it, it's no longer the reliant markets. Like some are, are, you know, you have a lot of demand in certain markets and then maybe two weeks later, you don't have that demand. So it's, it's making sure that you're looking at it at a very macro level, but also looking at it at a very micro level because things so much and it's changing so rapidly. It's really important that you're looking at this and, and finding the pockets of, of opportunity. So we do a lot of programmatic and a lot of um, demand generation off of algorithms, which has really helped us to, to spot some of these, you know, trends that are coming up in, in some of these markets. I would say in terms of, um, you know, the types of channels people are using, I would say, you know, social has been a, a, a really sort of big um, acquisition tool for us. But it's really what we're focusing on more is about just 
facilitate facilitating that conversation. And I know a lot of people say that, so it's you know a big mm-hmm. buzzword, but it really is then giving the opportunity <laughs> to really connect with your your customer because what we're seeing now is the customers being very it, it, it's it's much more about human interaction now that that's really been taken away from us. And so you're finding people want that that human interaction. So I would say social is playing a really big part, maybe not even for customer acquisition, but it's playing a bigger part in just the overall um, you know, way that we're communicating with, with our customers. It's you know a great way for us to get the story out from farfetch.com about how we support our boutiques um, and just a really great way to Kind of connect with the customer and, and see how they're feeling as well. See see if you're still relevant in, in in what they're thinking and understand you know either what they're going through or you know other things that they want to be seeing from you. How are you facilitating those conversations? Because I feel like with Instagram, it's often a very just sort of you're saying something people people like it or they listen to it. Are, does this mean that you're facilitating conversations in the DMs? Are you doing things with WeChat? Sort of how how are you figuring out this more one-to-one conversation when, you know, a lot of the platforms say they do that, but they they might not be as perfect as as others? Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely right. So I think it's it's more I think we've also changed slightly how we're posting content, um mm-hmm. which has a, a, a you know, a big um a big play in the overall strategy. We're definitely using um WeChat um, I think also, you know, what we're launching on farfetch.com is really our, it's not our own social channel, but it's really about communities and really speaking to the communities that we have online and the communities that we have from farfetch.com because there's so many different types of customers that shop with farfetch that, you know, one message isn't going to resonate with everybody. So it is about really understanding and, and almost creating these pockets of customers through all the different communities that we have on, on farfetch.com and facilitating the conversation that way. You know, you mentioned farfetch.com. Have you noticed a change in, I guess, appetite specifically for marketplaces? Like, I feel like Amazon, I'm going to want to talk to you about Amazon because, you know, they're going into their their luxury marketplace. But just in terms of on the farfetch.com angle, how are you seeing people respond, you know, more to going there and buying their stuff there there as opposed to going to, you know, their the boutique they know down the street, going specifically to a specific store, et cetera? Is, is there a, a drastic change in that? Or are you seeing a slow acceleration of people saying, oh, I am going to go to these kinds of marketplaces? So I think the, the, the beauty of a marketplace is that it gives so much sort of choice um, mm-hmm. And really mm-hmm. what I think, you know, it it, it it facilitates browsing. It facilitates being able to find a designer that you didn't know before just because you have so much range and so much selection. I think what's really important, too, is being a trusted partner for your, your customers as well. So knowing that you can buy something and that it, it's going to be shipped immediately and that it's going to be delivered in, in two to three days, I think is, is incredibly important for um, our customers. And so I think service is something we've really been focused on over the past few months, just to keep resonating that message to our customers that, you know, we are here, we are open, we are shipping, um, you know, and, and I think that's actually had a, a really positive effect as well. I mean, we were fortunate enough because of our distribution model that we didn't have to shut down. So many other large, you know, e-com players or, or even boutiques or, or retailers had to shut down. And when you have to shut down, it obviously then has an impact in, in your overall operations. And we were very fortunate that, you know, our business model um, kind of stood against um, what was happening in, in the world and, and allowed us to be able to, you know, still be a service provider for our customers, but also be a really good partner 
for our brands and, and retailers and, and were able to support them when their stores were shutting down or their warehouses were shutting down. Um, you know, we were still able to facil- facilitate those orders. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. Please stay with us. So what are your thoughts on, you know, the slow trudge by players like Amazon going into this space? Uh, I, I could see, you know, competition is competition, but also this is opening it up. You know, more people are aware that you're, you're, you're that, that these kinds of items can be bought online. So are you worried about it? What are you, what are you sort of seeing as, as you, you hear more about an Amazon luxury fashion platform on the horizon? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we we're always watching the competition um, and there, it, it is an element that competition is competition. Um, I think, you know, where the, the difference for us is that we already have over 1300 partners. So we have the best brands and, you know, the best retailers that we're already partnering with. And the way that we really look at this is we don't want to just be a marketplace to um, the brands and retailers that we work with. We really genuinely want to be partners. And that's how we really see these relationships. So, you know, the, one of the, the big things that we're, we're doing is, you know, we're launching, obviously, on the marketplace, we're, we're, we're you know, 100% e-concession. But we're also rolling that business model out to FPS clients as well so that we can facilitate any e-concession online, which, you know, most retailers are not going to be able to do. So as the market is actually shifting and, and brands are pushing retailers to go more e-concession online, a lot of these retailers aren't going to be able to. So we actually will be able to go one step further um, and really sort of, um, you know, own that part of the market. Can you just define for me exactly what you mean by e-concession? I apologize if that's a dumb question. No, it's it's a buzzword. Again, I, you know, I, I promised not to use buzzwords and here I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, so an e-concession really is when, um, like if you think of a normal concession model that traditional department stores have, they mm-hmm. necessarily don't own that inventory or they can't see that inventory. So, mm-hmm. you know, like um bad example, but, it, you know, if Chanel was in Harrods, they have a concession in Harrods. So Harrods doesn't own that inventory. Um, so then trying to put a, a concession based model online is notoriously very difficult, but it really mm-hmm. works. And it makes sense because the brands want to continue to have ownership of, you know, their direct to consumer channels. They want to make sure that they have um, ownership, you know, on their pricing and and the way that the, the brand reputation, you know, the department stores, you know, want to be able to do that as well because they want to be able to offer that product to their consumers. So what mm-hmm. we offer is we have, you know, over a thousand direct integrations with brand inventory that we can actually then use and be able to facilitate e-concessions online where in a pr- traditional sort of department store, they wouldn't be able to necessarily do that. What are your sort of thoughts in terms of what's going to happen in the next, you know, week, I guess, months to year? Uh, you're in a really interesting specific situation because I bet you are sort of riding a wave because there is a glut of inventory that wasn't sold. And so I, I imagine that, you know, the, a lot of different uh, retailers and brands are just trying to figure out a way to sell it. And so they're they're turning to players like you. But I also feel like we're seeing a bunch of bankruptcies on the retailer side. We're seeing a bunch of boutiques shut down because they weren't able to sell. So wh- sort of how are you navigating that very weird terrain we're in right now? So I think what we're doing is because, you know, it goes back to our business model and we truly do want to be partners to our, our brands and boutiques. On the marketplace side, you know, I think we're trying to understand and trying to really listen to the brands and the boutiques about 
what do you want to do with this inventory? We have different solutions that we can actually offer you. We can, you know, we can obviously be go into sales season and you can you can clear your inventory here or, you know, we can continue to offer full price. So we really listen to our, our brands and boutiques to, to help take a steer on there. Now, on FPS, it's really interesting because effectively it is completely up to the brand or the retailer's own strategy. Um, and again, we can facilitate that. And we can also bring sort of the strategic consultancy area as well to say, here's what we're seeing in the industry. Here's what we think your markdown strategy should be. Um, each brand and retailer are actually in very different um, it, it, they're in different places. So it's not a one size fits all right now. Um, you know, some are actually now producing less for next year and, and keeping their inventory now, um, you know, for, for the next few seasons and they don't want to discount. Um, you know, some are basically, uh, you know, wanting to discount heavily or doing arch archive sales as well because some of their new deliveries are being late. So we can actually facilitate either one um, and really help individual brands figure out what their strategy should be. Are you seeing a heightened demand for your consultancy services? Are, are, I feel like everyone is sort of in the dark, so they probably are seeking out any sort of advice they can get. <laughs> yes, they are. Um, and, you know, it's it's great because, you know, obviously we go into it very agnostic. So, you know, we don't say this is what Farfetch.com is doing. But, you know, we basically look at industry trends. We have a, an entire sort of research arm that helps us come up with that. Um, and we talk to each of these, you know, brands and retailers. And the number one question before we even start is, what are you trying to achieve? Like, what what is keeping you up at night? What are you trying to achieve? And then we can come armed with, you know, data and then also recommendations. So here's what we think you should do. You know, it might be, you know, I have a lot of excess inventory and I want to get rid of it. Um, you know, we can say we'll put you on the marketplace and that can be your direct to consumer channel. And you can, um, you know, really sort of uh, utilize the millions of visits that we're seeing every single day. And then we can build a more um, consumer proposition that is about full price on your own website. That's just one example. Um, you know, there's many different examples that we have, but like I said, each one is is quite unique. And yeah, it's it, it it's it's really exciting to actually come in and and have this consulting arm to to be able to um, you know help people navigate. It, like you said, people are in the dark, and I think it's you know it's very different and and can be very scary times as well. So if we can at least offer a little bit of light, um, you know, it's it's something that we love to do. You know, going into the new year, you know, even going into the holidays, but as you're looking at product development, how you're updating the platform, what are sort of the pillars that you're focusing on? Is it going to be providing sort of these, you know, uh, solutions tools, this kinds of, you know, consultant, consultant stuff? Are you looking into new features? What's what's on the horizon for you? So it, the way that we look at it and, um, you know, we're still in product development. So there's now, I can't say a, a whole lot, but I can say the theme <laughs> that we're looking at. Um, so we're obviously uh, like we never stop investing in our platform. And that's one of the best things about it. It's a very sort of innovative um, platform because obviously it runs farfetch.com as well. But what we're looking at are new products and features um, in a more modular way. So one of the things that we're seeing is that people want a better platform and they want um, e-commerce. But sometimes that can take a while to replatform. So what we're trying to do is develop products and tools that maybe don't make people replatform at the beginning and we can still really solve some of their challenges. I think e-concessions is a big thing that we are working on. So obviously we will be able to offer it to all of our clients, 
but is there a way that we can offer it as a standalone product? So really looking at the challenges of the market and the challenges of the brands and the retailers and looking at what can we do to be able to facilitate change? And so that's how we're looking at our product development and in our roadmap. So there's a lot of you know modular things that are coming out, but also a huge focus on the in-store technology and really focusing on what we're seeing coming out of the trends and how do we how do we actually take what we're developing now and have the different use cases um, to be able to either facilitate um, transactions that would happen in store, but now online. So those are kind of the themes of the things that we're, we're really working on. So I would say it's about modularity um, and really, you know, in-store technology, but that can actually be used um, outside of the, the store. What are your thoughts about what you think is going to happen in 2021? There's just so much unknown. Do you think that, what are you hearing from both your brand partners are, you know, given that there's uncertainty, like both health wise and political wise, how do you sort of navigate that given that that impacts both partnership businesses and your own business? Yeah, it's, I mean, it is, it is really hard. And I, I keep hearing people say, I can't wait for 2020 to be over, but it's not like we're going to wake <laughs> up on January 1st, yeah. Yeah. 2021, and it's going to be any different. And so I think it's about understanding that we are in for a long haul. And like you said, it, it's, you know, there's health, there's political, you know, we are, um, then there's, you know, Brexit. So that happens at the beginning of January as well. So there's so much to navigate that I think what we need to do is not lose focus and keep actually developing things that we know are going to help the brands and the, and the retailers. So if that's an e-concession product, or opening up our direct-to-consumer channels so that people can sell their inventory. Um, another product that we're working on as well is doing digital showrooms. So we did a digital showroom for NGG. Um, you know, how do we then roll that out at scale for other brands and retailers so that they effectively can still do buying appointments and you know still have as good as being in person, but be- basically being digital. So those are the, the problems that we're really looking at. So that we can help change the industry or at least um, continue um, trading, you know, as as much as as much as we can. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. Kelly, this has been such a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure. So thank you very much. And thank you for listening to the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday Media. Our theme music was produced by Pierre Bienname. Ben Elman produced this episode. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and send this podcast over to a friend who you know would enjoy it. See you next week. Bye.